folks, welcome to episode 162 of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White. As always, I'm joined by the one and the only, Kyle Wood. Hey. Also, in case people are wondering, Kyle is in Hopkins, Minnesota. <laughs> I am. I am in Hopkins. <laughs> um, well, Kyle, how's it been going? Well, uh, pretty good. little, um, not that I really needed to be rested, but I... It feels good to have that Labor Day weekend uh, behind us to kind of just, you know, chillax, put the boat in, catch a few fish, and uh, now we're back at it. We're back on that work grind. I sleep more during the week than I do on the weekends. Um, I wake up earlier on the weekends to go well, fishing. Sure, you got to go fishing. Yeah, uh, and then there's like sports and stuff to watch, so I go to bed later. Uh but so it's kind of I I take I usually relax during the week more, um, especially now that it, the evenings are getting a little too short for me to like skip out and go fishing after work and really get any appreciable time in before it gets dark. But I don't know. We may get into that in the second half of the podcast. But uh, coming up this week for you, we've got uh, Casey Scanlon on tap for our interview. Uh, should be a good one. We'll talk a little fall fishing. We'll sort of. Uh, look back at his tour season that was. Um, then, uh, Kyle, you and I are going to talk about uh, flipping milfoil and probably talk about how Austin Felix does it a bunch because there's a story up on FLWFishing.com. Um, we'll talk a little bit about fishing. We might look ahead on the schedule a little, but mostly there's not anything going on because it's September and the tour season is over. The coasts are winding down pretty hard, so... Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a dead zone here for us. It is. Uh, but anyhow, not a dead zone is going to be Casey Scanlon, and we'll talk with him right now. And now we're joined by Casey Scanlon, um, coming off his first year on the FLW Tour, but not really his first year as a pro fisherman for sure. Uh, Casey, uh, how's it going? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I guess... I want to sort of start off and dial in on your tour season and just, you know, you fished the Elite Series for a while and you came over and you fished the tour this year and you had like the first, I guess, five tournaments were phenomenally successful. You know, you were in the Angler of the Year race. Uh, you were probably, I guess I didn't, haven't looked it up, but I would imagine you were probably having one of your best seasons you've ever had because it was just that good. Uh, and then you fell off a little, but you still made the cup. So, I mean, how did it how did it go? How was the experience? Yeah, it was a great experience. You know, uh, made the move this year and, and really enjoyed FLW. It was uh, uh, had a great time fishing this year. And like you said, the first five tournaments were were pretty good. You know, had a bad day the first day of uh, the season there at Gunnersville and made a nice rebound. Was able to get a check and just kind of kept it rolling through the next few tournaments and. A lot of those tournaments kind of suited my style a little bit, and uh, I felt I felt comfortable with a lot of the venues we were at. Although I hadn't been to several of them, um, you know, it it really worked out to the first five events. And of course, we got to lacrosse, and I had a, a just a pitiful tournament over there on, uh, you know, one of my favorite fisheries. We've been there several times on the Elite Series and uh, fished some other stuff up there. And man, I, I've, I've done had some success up there. And, and uh, whatever I found in practice just kind of went away. So there was a disappointing tournament, but all in all, a great season. And man, the Forestwood Cup, you know, had, had never been to one, didn't know what to expect. And, and it was a great show, um, really great tournament. Of course, I wish I had a different outcome for myself, but uh, congratulations to Justin Atkins and, and FLW for putting on uh, a great tournament. Yeah, it was, that tournament was uh, interesting because. I think we all went into it expecting the fishing to not be very good because it's August in the South and a lot of times that's the case. Sure. And I mean, honestly, the when you look at the final tally, it was really haves and have-nots in that tournament. I mean, there were guys who were on them and caught them, and then a lot of guys who really didn't at all. And you, unfortunately, you fell into that really didn't catch them camp. Uh, but <laughs> absolutely. Like, did um, you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, go ahead. Uh, you can finish up your question there. Um, I was going to say, did you? Uh, I get. I guess did you have in practice? Did you feel like you were going to catch him, and it just didn't work out, or did it just sort of never materialize? You know, I I'm kicking myself now, of course, for not going up and, and doing some pre-practicing. But my game plan was to come in shallow, uh, and, and fish shallow, and a lot of the guys. Um, you know, that did well the time uh, before, and I guess it was 2014 when the cup was there, you know, uh, um, you know, fish shallow did well. And, uh, you know, that was kind of my game plan coming in, uh, was to kind of, you know, fish my strength, so to speak. And, and I did go out and look for it at, at that herring bite, but man, I, I didn't have a great practice. I had some moments in practice where, you know, I thought, you know, I could really catch them. I had, you know, one or two areas that I was really counting on, um, you know, going in there and, ha- and having a good day out of each one of them. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of, you know, missed opportunities. I threw top water a lot. I uh, saw a lot of good fish that just didn't commit to the bait or got off for whatever reason. But uh, they were kind of doing that in practice a little bit. You know, I was going in there with my fingers crossed. I definitely, um, you know, missed the boat. It was a really um, – you know, it was a really precise uh, pattern it looked like on, on the blue back. And, um, you know, hats off to those guys because uh, I, I fished a few places where I'd seen some schooling activity the second day of the, the tournament there. And, and at one point they were coming up all around me. And, and to catch one of them uh, can be difficult, you know. I mean, I, I never did get a keeper out of, out of that group. And had several opportunities to do so. They came up for quite a while. So, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, the, the guys that were dialed in, you know, really caught them, showed what Lake Murray had to offer. And then uh, there was a lot of us that were just kind of left scratching our heads. You know, we were, um, you know, committed to a different bite, you know, probably blueback herring, um, you know, or not related to the blueback herring. And, um, you know, that that was definitely the winning ticket in that tournament was, was getting around the right bait fish. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, I think the way you said where you lost some key fish and you had some bites and stuff like that, like, I think the shallow guys were just running really thin margins in that tournament. I mean, Jeff Sprague almost made the cut, and he was fishing shallow, and he had a couple of critical losses. And then, like, Matt Steffen could have had a huge day one from the way he tells it. He was fishing shallow, but he didn't get him in the boat. And I think that was... You know, I guess the way it boils down is the guys out deep, or not even necessarily that deep, but the cane pile stuff and the blueback stuff, the schooling things, like they were, you know, they were able to weather some fish losses. I mean, they were truly, it was, even if you fished perfectly up shallow, I don't, I still don't know that you could have got it done in that tournament. Yeah, there just wasn't enough fish up there. I, I mean, I don't know about the, 2014 tournament when uh you know there was a lot of guys up there really competitive shallow but you know there wasn't a ton of them up there and you had to capitalize on every opportunity that's for sure you know i had one creek um that that seemed to have quite a few fish in it uh quite a bit of bait in it and i went in there and you know saw a lot of good fish that first day and they just would not commit to that top water and if if they did you know get it they would you know, pull off instantly kind of deal. So it was just one of those things where, you know, the fish probably felt the pressure were a little bit of gun shy and, you know, you had to capitalize on all those bites because you weren't getting very many of them up there. All right. What, uh, I guess looking toward next year a little bit, um, what do you, what do you like in the schedule? Uh, is there anything you don't like? Are you sort of looking forward to another, do you feel like you've got another quality forcewood cup type year in you? Oh, absolutely. You know, looking, looking forward to next year. Um, you know, I haven't, haven't thought a whole lot into the schedule yet. Um, you know, looking forward to going back to Harris chain, uh, been to Okeechobee a few times, um, you know, done well, done bad over there. So, uh, but, but been there several times, so I'm sure I'll feel comfortable at Okeechobee. I know it changes from year to year. Um, but yeah, the two Florida tournaments looking forward to, you know, Florida is one of those deals where, um, you know, from from a guy not being from Florida can can be kind of hit or miss. But uh, looking forward to those two fisheries, and then it looked like we had some, you know, quite a few spotted bass, uh, largemouth, 
kind of smallmouth mix type places, which is, um, you know, kind of what we're used to in the Ozarks. I like when you can go and, and uh, target uh, multiple species. I seem to do well at those kind of events. So I know we got a few on the, on the schedule like that. And, uh, you know, I, I know we end up on St. Clair and, and uh, been there several times. Uh, again, done good, get done bad. So, um, yeah, all in all, I feel pretty comfortable with the schedule and would love to go back and make the course with Cup and, and, you know, make another run at Angler of the Year. Um, you know, it was close through five tournaments, like you said, and, and uh, you know, just needed to have a few more better outings on the water and we'd have been right there. So uh, hoping to be competitive in that again next year and, and looking forward to, to getting after it. Yeah, uh, Lanier, Cumberland, and Smith and that sort of midsection of the tour really seem like they're next year. They really seem like they could be up your alley, at least based on how this year played out, uh, I would say. Um, and Cumberland yeah, for know, sure, because, um, boy, you caught them there. <laughs> yeah, had some good success at Cumberland. Hadn't been to the other two, but, you know, since we're making those uh, Florida trips this year, I might have a chance to stop on, on the way there or on the way back and do a little riding around, check them out. But, uh yeah, looking forward to those three. Um, you know, seems like uh, they'd be they'd be my kind of fisheries. So um, I know I know I'll feel right at right at home on a lot of them as far as water clarity and, and the kind of cover and structure. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to it, man. I, I think it's a, a good schedule and and going to be another great season. And and I'm looking to forward forward to getting it started. All right. Um, I want to kind of dive into. Uh, I guess a little bit more about you now, because you're living uh, in the Ozarks now, and you're, I guess, at Lake of the Ozarks, uh, but you used to have a Kansas address, I know, um, and I've got a question, I've got a question here um, from uh, Peyton, and he wants to, he wants me to ask you about Kansas lakes, so, like, they're not any good, are they? <laughs> or- well, you know what, um, <laughs> Truthfully, I've got a couple of them that I really like. Um, but, you know, growing up, I joined a bass club when I was 15, and, and we always fish tournaments here in Missouri, you know, just basically because they're bigger lakes. Uh, but I can tell you this, there's a lot of, you know, smaller fisheries in Kansas, you know, uh, two to, you know, 10,000-acre reservoirs. And they're, they may not be great for, you know, 100-plus boat tournaments, but – They've really, really come on strong in the last few years, especially the smallmouth populations on a lot of them. And guys are going out and catching a lot of fish on on some of these bodies of water. But, um, you know, a lot of bass clubs frequent them. Uh, The Ned Rig is huge out in Kansas, you know, and that may be uh, because it's a little bit tougher fishing sometimes. But there's a few lakes there that, that kick out some some big fish and some some numbers of fish. But there's a there's a lot of them to choose from. And and uh but truthfully you know most of my tournament fishing has been over here in missouri all right is that just the way like almost all bass clubs sort of operate there where it's you make the drive south or is it just kind of like the route that you ended up going do you know you know at the time that's what all the clubs did you know i mean they they would all uh fish a majority of their tournaments you know besides maybe one or two um you know, over there in Missouri. So that was, that was, seems to be the norm probably now as well. Um, but they're throwing in a lot more of these Kansas lakes, you know, especially with gas prices and stuff, uh, uh, being up from what they were when I started fishing, which was like 99 cents a gallon or something. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, yeah, they, um, the fisheries have been, have been really strong lately. And I think more and more of the clubs are, are starting to just stick around there in Kansas and fish them you know more of their tournaments locally all right that being said i guess is there any uh are there any lakes in kansas that people should try and go fish if they're ever near there or is that top secret info you try to keep that top secret (laughs) you know a few of my a few of my favorites there but uh melvern is one that's really strong right now it's got um you know a good good smallmouth population milford's always had a good smallmouth population over there um you know, there, you can usually, you know, go to go to Walmart or something like that and pick up, uh, you know, one of the little booklets at the fishing counter, and it usually gives you a pretty good idea of, of which ones are hot and which ones are not. You know, a lot of the, 
a lot of the um, you know western Kansas lakes can be really really good at times but it just depends on you know drought conditions and stuff like that you know the fisheries kind of come and go but um you know i've heard they've been rebounding a little bit out there but there's i mean there's a ton of these small reservoirs so um you know there, there's a lot of them that are really really good uh, wolf creek is another one of them it's a power plant lake that that produces a lot of fish uh, both large mouth and small mouth um so there's a lot to choose from that's for sure all right, cool. Uh, I like the sound of that. Um, what do you have going on for the rest of this fall? Because you guide now, right? Or I guess you've yeah, you know, a lot I've, in the past, right? Yeah, we've uh, you know I've been guiding down here at Lake of the Ozarks for for several years now, and uh, I've been doing a lot of trips throughout the year in between tournaments, and uh, I got I got one event down at Grand Lake, uh, a Bassmaster Open, and then. Um, I got uh, the Costa Series event here at Lake of the Ozarks, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, it, you know, anytime you can fish a tournament on your home body of water, that's uh, a pretty good deal. So I'm um, looking forward to that. It's going to be a good event. The lake just keeps getting better and better. And, uh, FLW seems to seems to come here quite a, quite a bit. I know we, there's a BFL here in a week or two um, that a lot of the local guys are probably excited about, but but the fish seem to usually bite around here, and uh, uh, it's a great lake to live and guide on, and, and it should be a great Costa event here in a few weeks. Yeah, I uh, covered that Costa event, I guess, last year, and it was impressive to me uh, how thoroughly docks dominated, which I guess there's a ton of docks in the lake, so it's gonna, but it was uh, it was a really pretty cool tournament uh, just to like just to cover i'd never been out there before i kind of had in my mind that lake of the ozarks was like beaver lake or table rock and it really it's not quite like those lakes it's it's kind of its own style lake to some extent you know what i mean it is it's a unique lake you can do really anything you want here you can run 100 miles up a river you can uh um you know flip shallow docks deep docks uh fish out off points brush piles i mean it's got it all it's uh um it's a very diverse fishery like you said docks dominated last time we were here and uh, you know i wouldn't expect it to be any different uh when, when in a few weeks the docks will be good um but you can't can't count anything out on this body of water it's uh it's a fishery where that changes a lot for how stable it is and um you know, it, it's going to be a, a really good tournament. You know, there's going to be a very large tournament um, that's in town uh, the week before that we start the event. But, um, you know, it should, it, it'll should it slow the fishing up a little bit, but um, it, it's going to be an awesome event. It should take some pretty big weights. The weights have been excellent all year. Um, but, it, but it's definitely a diverse fishery. I mean, you can catch them from zero foot out to 30 and, uh, you know, throwing everything from a finesse rig to, a deep crankbait or spoon or something like that i mean it's a it's a really good good fishery and and it'll play to a lot of different guys strengths so uh look for a lot of different patterns to be successful when when we come back in in october for the costa event i understand there's that big bass tournament uh there you know kind of ahead of it which might like tick the weights down a little bit but what do you think it'll take uh weight wise uh, to win because last year or last time it took I guess uh, 52 52 5 and there were you know a lot of guys got up over 50 pounds which I can do some like real fast math but that's you know a mid uh, sort of upper teens average yep yep uh, I, I think it'll be pretty similar you know you're going to see some you know 20 plus pound stringers weighed in um, you know a guy that can back that up a couple days um you know, probably be your winner, you know, a couple 20 pound stringers and, and maybe throw in a, a 16, 17, something like that. You'll be, you'll be close to winning, I would think. But, uh, you know, it's definitely capable of producing much more than that. Um, you know, I've seen a 32 pound stringer earlier this fall, uh, and that was a tournament where you could not use an Alabama rig. So it's got them in here. It's capable of producing some big weights. And, and if we hit it on the right week, you know, it, it'll, it'll take over 20 pounds a day to win. Well, I like the sound of that. I'd certainly like to, I would certainly like to be there to see those kind of weights because, you know, a lot of times you get a couple spring like pre-spawn tournaments down south and then you get a Tennessee River Ledge tournament. And 
then you get your smallmouth tournaments that have really big weights. But a lot of times in the South, those in the Midwest, those off-time tournaments, you don't quite see the weights that you would see usually in the spring. So I'm kind of, I'll keep my fingers crossed. And I'm sure it won't be spring level, but I was impressed last year going there. I, I'm looking forward to going back for sure. Absolutely. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed as well. I, I think it'll be an awesome tournament. Hopefully we hit it in one of those weeks where it really shows out. But uh, it'll be a fun tournament regardless. It's a great lake, and, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, that's for sure. All right. Uh, you know, the, the, it's fall now, and a lot of guys are probably starting to put up their tackle and pick up a bow or, uh, you know, get their get their camo out and get ready to go into the woods. But you know, if you had to kind of pick a few fall fishing tips or something like that, do you do you have anything that you've been thinking of or even just not even for the fall, but like for right now, this kind of late summer period, do you have any hints that you feel like you could give out? Because I don't think we talk enough about this period of fishing and how to catch fish when you're kind of not in winter and spring and summer, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the fish are transitioning, and they're kind of spread out in a lot of different areas. But, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the big fish, you know, they try to move, um, you know, onto flats, you know, whether that's a 10-foot flat or a 2-foot flat in the back of the creek. Uh, the shad are going to be there, and the bass are going to be there as well. So I go to go out and target flats with bait on them. I try to find the biggest bait I can find, you know, um, some lakes, you know, just have small thread fin in them. But here at Lake of the Ozarks, I try to find big gizzard shad and, and fish around uh, the shad and, and whatever cover is present on those flats. So I'll, I'll use my uh, Garmin uh, down view and side view, and, and I'll go and, and try to scan around and, and find brush piles and stumps and, you know, little uh, irregularities on, on different uh, flat banks and, and uh, shallow flats in the backs of creeks and things like that and uh you know start there um but definitely you want to be fishing around the biggest bait you can find do you have a uh like i guess do you have a a tip for finding that bigger bait because to me you can see it on a graph sometimes but sometimes in the fall you're fishing shallower than you can really graph very effectively is that just a thing where you should like keep running around and like look for it or usually you know usually you see them in an area when you're fishing usually have to slow down fish a little bit and you'll see that bigger bait um you know just swimming around in groups of 50 to 100 um and 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 that's really the whole key is getting out there fishing or seeing it on your electronics yeah i guess that makes sense because i remember you know there were like certain little sections of the lake that seemed last year lake of the ozarks that seemed to really produce in the fall and from what everyone said, that was the those were the little sections where there were more gizzard shad than others, and it necess- didn't wouldn't necessarily look any different from a section, you know, on the other side of the lake or a mile away. But for some reason, that was where they were at. Yeah, um, there's you know definitely getting around those bigger gizzard shad. And they're all over the lake, and there's definitely certain sections of the lake that uh, you know produce at times, and you know, and it'll be you know, a five, 10 mile stretch here and there throughout the lake that, that, uh, might produce, but, uh, the whole lake itself is capable of, you know, kicking out a winning stringer. In fact, any cove on the lake, you know, is capable of producing. There's not a lot of dead water here, but, uh, finding the bigger bait is key a lot of times, especially in the fall. How about, uh, how about like baits for the fall? Is there anything in particular that like you sort of look forward to the chance to pick up again? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love throwing a lucky strike, uh, RC series three or series four square bill crankbait, um, love throwing that around shallow cover, boat docks and things like that. And, um, you know, it's a really good time of year for a jig. Uh, I throw a trophy bass company jig. It's actually a a new company I started with a friend a a year or so ago. And, uh, I just pick up a half ounce jig and, and fish it around, you know, brush piles and boat docks and and everything else I come across. So I, I pretty much, you know, uh, stick with moving baits and and, uh, and a jig and, and just put a couple of, you know, your favorite baits on the deck and go. Right. Uh, it's a time of year where, time of year where, you know, a lot of different baits are productive. So it's a good time to pull out, uh, you know, some of your 
your uh, your favorites. Um, sort of on the jig company stuff. I didn't really realize you had a jig company, but you know when. I guess you started a couple of years ago. You said, but like, who'd you start it with? Why did you uh, start a jig company? Because there's a lot of jigs out there that I feel like are all probably pretty good. You know, what made you decide? Hey, we got to do this. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I did it because I couldn't find one that had all the characteristics that I was I was really wanting in a in a jig. So uh, we got a swim jig and and uh, what we call a pro jig, which is kind of an all around jig that you can do a lot with. You know it. It kind of has a stand-up posture on the bottom. You can uh, flip it into heavy cover, skip it under boat docks because it kind of has a flat head, you know, similar to an Arky-style jig. And, you know, they, they all have good hooks in them. And, and we just kind of built it uh, um, to be something that uh, that I could fish in, in any kind of situation. So um, the sales have been pretty good so far. You know, a lot of guys locally are starting to, to, to use them a lot and like them. And, and I've used uh, the, our swim jig and and uh, the pro jig on tour all year long, and um, was successful with them in, in several of our tournaments. And, and uh, we've got a new wacky weight coming out, so uh, got a lot of new products that we're gonna try to kind of get tested and get to the market here in the next year. But uh, but we're just just trying to build products that that come straight out of my tackle box, more or less. So there's quite a few pros who, you know, have their hand in some kind of uh, lure company. Like, I feel like John Cruz and Missile Baits is probably the, probably the most famous, if I had to, if I had to guess. But right. um, are you kind of envisioning a full, a pretty full line of stuff? Or is it more, you're going to make, you know, you're going to make jigs or you're going to just sort of fill a need where you see it, if that makes sense? Yeah, you know, um, you know, right now we're just going to make some jigs and and uh, like I said, we got it. We got a, a a wait for a, a wacky rig that's really cool that we're coming out with real soon. Um, but you know, we've we've got maybe some spinner baits and and buzz baits, things like that coming out. But we, we've got we've uh, um, you know haven't really decided exactly on the direction of the company. But and I, I've got some really great sponsors that make some great products. You know, like Lucky Strike and. And, uh, you know, definitely probably not going to have a complete line of products like, you know, probably no crankbaits or, or, or plastics. That's for sure. All right. So you're not looking to be the next Strike King. You're looking to, you know, make. That's right. Stick to the stick to We're, the poured stuff and sort of in your wheelhouse there, if that makes sense. Um, absolutely. You know, I've been pouring jigs and, and making lures for a long time, so. We're just going to try to make you know some of the stuff that that I use on a daily basis, and, and you know some of it's uh, you know we're just going to try to make some things you know bigger and better than than maybe our competitors. Cool. Well, uh, I guess that being said, where can uh, where can people uh, follow you or keep up with you? Whether it's uh, on social media or where can they buy a trophy bass company jig or book a guide trip or yeah. anything like that? Plug away. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. You can uh, check out my website, caseycamlinfishing.com. Uh, I got my information about guided trips on there and information about myself and sponsors. Um, you can look at my Facebook page, uh, Casey Scanlon Professional Angler. And if you want to check out the jigs, it's trophybasscompany.com. Man, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, stop by and talk today. I really appreciate it. And, you know, best of luck going forward. You were you know, this fall and, of course, next year. You were my favorite person to put a GoPro on, I think, this year because <laughs> I feel like you well, caught fish a lot of the times and you held it toward the camera, and that was oh, very clutch. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate uh, the best of luck wish as well, and uh, hopefully go out there and perform well in the Costa and get some good uh, GoPro footage for you next year. But I appreciate you having me on, Jody. It's always a pleasure, and... Uh, We'll talk to you soon. So, Kyle, do you want to uh, go ahead and tell us about flipping foil with the one, the only, Austin Felix? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, uh, I guess um, I feel like as a guy who has grown up in the northern part of the country, uh, flipping mill foil is like a pretty standard kind of summertime thing, right? I mean, uh, I assume you probably flip some foil up around your neck of the woods it is my favorite grass yeah milfoil is sweet uh but i i, I realized that 
uh, it's kind of regional, right? Like in the south, there's a lot of hydrilla. You hear a lot about hydrilla. Um, and I think even just for anglers in general um, that live around milfoil, there's a lot of people that just don't flip it because it can be kind of a, I don't know, intimidating task. So uh, I jumped in the boat with Austin Felix uh, like two weeks ago and uh, picked his brain about how he does it and because he's grown uh, grown up learning to flip foil on Lake Minnetonka, and Lake Minnetonka's got a pretty good milfoil bite. You can catch some hogs doing it. So the dude knows what he's, what he's talking about. And uh, it was fun because um, I enjoy flipping foil, and uh, I don't do it as often as I probably should. Uh, but it was kind of cool to see how Austin does it, and I, I feel like the story uh, actually kind of portrays that uh, in a decent way, like you can actually read it and be like, you know what? I think I have enough knowledge now to go flip some foil. And that's not me being biased because I wrote it. I'm just saying, uh, I think just the info he spewed, uh, helped kind of paint the picture, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was, I mean, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was good read. I would encourage people to go read it. Um, I do worry a little bit that because you and I both have flipped so much milfoil in our lives that maybe that uh, kind of makes it a little easier us easier for us to pick up and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you can't at least get enough of a gist of what to do and you can't get enough confidence to go do it some from reading this and from knowing how many hogs live in grass then you probably were never going to do it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, is maybe, maybe that's the wrong way to look at it, but, like, you know, there are some people who just don't like grass. I don't understand those people, but <laughs> they do exist. It, it's shocking sure. to me. Um, you know, uh, one thing, uh, is there anything that you do differently from him or that you were kind of surprised to learn? Um, n- not necessarily. I think, uh, the one interesting note is Austin and he said, this is regardless of, uh, where you're fishing. Like he's done it in New York, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, like pretty much anywhere he's found milfoil, he's done it. Um, but he really likes to target, um, like seven to 11 feet of water is kind of a ballpark number, uh, that he tossed out for where you can usually find the edge of visible milfoil. Not necessarily, like, where it's growing, because on Minnetonka, for example, you can find milfoil in, like, 15 feet of water. You may not be able to see it up near the surface, you know what I mean, but it's there. Uh, He likes that visual edge, and um, he just kind of puts the trolling motor in and flips along. I feel like uh, he also, uh, he reaches for a Texas rig first, because it gets more bites. I've always kind of gone in with the jig right out the gate, um, but that's probably more a preference thing. Um, but in terms of where he fishes foil, like I, 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 the visible edge is good, but I feel like sometimes um, I start out maybe a little deeper than he does, which was kind of interesting to learn that um, he kind of sucks up in a little tighter. You know, I might like 10, 12 feet on a clear lake or, or on the flip side, it maybe sometimes I'll start a lot shallower than he will, like way more in it. Um, so that was kind of fun to, to learn that. Yeah, I think, I, I think a lot of it depends on the lakes you have. I think in Vermont, a lot of the edges are much more, a lot of the edges are more defined. Like most of the lakes, your milfoil edge, wh- where the edge is, is pretty mm-hmm. close to like where the end of it is. Oh, uh, okay. So your so the, the visible edge is basically like the weed line. Like yeah, that's where they uh, stop growing after that. So I think, you know, from that sense, it kind of depends because definitely like growing up, I've caught fish from inside of areas, but there's more off. I think more often in Vermont, there's a visible weed edge. Also, Kentucky Lake used to have milfoil in it. I don't know if you knew this or not. Like you used to have a bunch on the north end. It sounded like it sounds like heaven. Oh, but that'd be fantastic. It's not there anymore. So, you know, <laughs> another on. terrible thing about Kentucky Lake. Oh, gosh, come on back, get in here. When I was coming back from Potomac, 
there was like piles of grass all over the boat and the trailer and I picked most of it off but gosh I didn't want to I wanted to just throw it all in the live well and just dump it all in the lake and be like be free grow (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyhow that aside so I I thought that was kind of interesting I think this point of you know don't get too hung up on like it's got to be the edge or it's got to be the thickest part or it's got to be this certain thing I think that's key because it you know grass is just like such a good habitat for bass that it makes sense that they can be anywhere in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I thought that was, you know, a pretty uh, a pretty good thing. I'm kind of with Felix. I feel like I pick up... Uh, I feel like I probably pick up a Texas rig first more often than not now. And mainly I do it because they can fish faster with it. Like, it comes through cleaner... And yeah, it definitely you does. Can just, you can just be a little more efficient going along to like sort of get bites and get tuned in. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't always have like a jig or two with me, but I think I'm definitely pro Texas rig right off the bat. Um, but you know, either way, I'm not like a hundred percent. It's got to be that. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm trying to think. Probably of the big fish I've caught out of milfoil, probably, you know, as many have come on a jig as have come on a uh, Texas rig. Mm-hmm. Um, on Champlain, on the south end, where there's all that milfoil, because it's dirtier there, it's you're fishing a significantly shallower bite most of the time than you are in this clear water milfoil, which... You basically do the same stuff, but a lot of times with maybe a little bit lighter weight, they can, they'll hit a heavier weight, but you don't necessarily need as much weight, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I think that's just sort of worth noting that this is not solely like, you know, all your pictures are from a clear water lake or they appear to be clear clear water. And like when you think about milfoil and just how beautiful and lush it is, you think clear water, but it doesn't have to be clear water if that makes sense no it doesn't and in this article um i I can't remember if i really pointed it out but felix does prefer the cleaner the water the better like he's not he's not a fan of flipping dirty water foil and i feel like uh which could be why maybe i favor the jig because in dirty water i think uh well i think you'll get bigger bites on it but i think that's when the jig excels in the foil is when you have more of a stain and like you're saying it's shallower generally you know you're not fishing 10 feet of water it might be like five or six yeah i i think that's a good probably a good point i mean the biggest limit dad and i've ever caught on champlain came out of you know dirtier water milfoil with a jig so yeah i mean i think that's probably a really a really valid point actually um and yeah but Oh, go, go ahead. on, please. Oh, we're so I don't even know what I was going to say. Well, I, I was going to say, I think um, the biggest thing uh, with fishing foil, uh, especially for anyone that's listening that's like, oh, now i got to try to flip some foil, it can be really, really boring and very, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You just, uh, you just do the same thing. Repetitive. Yeah, you do the same thing over and over for a while, and you might straight up not catch fish. And it's kind of boring because you know they're probably around there somewhere. Uh, You might be inside, you might be outside, they might not be biting for whatever reason. Um, And I think I definitely, when I fish a lot more local stuff in Minnesota, I did it because it's a great way to catch good ones, but also, like, you know, you can find a couple eight schools of bass. You can probably turn it on. Yeah. Um, I don't do it as much now for fun. But that's because a lot of the lakes, uh, well, like but Minnetonka, I just don't go out there that much because it's so busy, and uh, you know I don't really want to go beat around on a pressured lake when I can go to this lake I've never been to and just try to catch fish for fun. But then you kind of back at square one, you know what I mean? Like I could do that, or I could side image around for a little bit, find a rock pile, and throw a football jig on it and catch some hogs doing that as well. But it is really fun. 
I should start doing it more on Waconia. I, I don't fish Waconia as much as I should, but I should get back on that foil grind out there because we're coming into like super prime foil time. Yeah, I will. I think that is a good point that he meant, you know, he said he'll fish it late into the year down in the, in the forties or whatever, like mm-hmm. September and October are like maybe the two best months for it. Definitely. Like you can catch them out of it in out of grass in June and July, but like later in the year, man, they eat in that stuff. And oh, I do they. I guess probably it's they're just comfortable. The water's a little bit colder, and they'll just, you know, they'll go to town. But I I think that that's something probably a lot of people start to think like moving baits and you got to be doing something different. Maybe go to hard cover as it gets colder, and that's. Not that that doesn't work, but you can stay in the grass if you want to, I would say. Right. And I think on a lot of these lakes, uh, generally if you have, uh, well, on a lot of the lakes, at least that I've noticed in Minnesota and stuff, uh, when you got milfoil, there's usually a decent rock pile bite, like an offshore um, rocks of some kind. And I I, kind of think that in the fall, sometimes those rock fish, I think, move up into the grass, especially when it starts cooling off more. And so now you have, like, say you had a clump of grass with, like, a clump of milfoil with a one boulder in it, right? That's your sweet spot. That's what Felix talks about in the milfoil. you got to find those sweet spots. Say there's, like, 15 bass that are in a school. Well, I feel like as you get later in the fall, that 15 might become, like, 30 just because there's fish coming from other places or maybe spots where the grass is dying down sooner or, you know, whatever the situation is. I think you kind of... Um, I, I kind of in my head think of it like smallmouths heading to their wintering area, um, sort of in a sense where you'll get these largemouths kind of just starting to stage up. And if I'm a bass swimming along and all of a sudden like, hey, look, a rock. Hey, look at all this cool milfoil. And then there's other fish around. There's probably crayfish. There's bluegills and whatnot. The party just keeps building, you know. Word gets out. Next thing you know, they're throwing keggers out there on that in that milfoil. And your boat flipping five-pounders. That's just what happens. Yeah, and, I mean, gosh, there can be a lot of fish in it. You know what I mean? Like, there's, that's the cool thing about it. Like, it doesn't even have to be a big area, but you can have a whole school of fish in it. Oh, man, it's so cool when you, when you put in all that work of, like, flipping along and you finally find a good group of them, when you can actually just go to cranking on them, oh, that's some fun stuff. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely, I'm all about fishing grass. I think everyone else should be as well. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 enjoy, I mean, I enjoyed the read purely from, man, I like reading about flipping stuff. And also, you know, I learned a few things. I picked up a idea or two. So yeah. that's always, a, that's always a good thing to have. Um, let's see. Uh, do you have any other, uh, stories or like particular FLW articles or anything that you want to bring up that either is up now or could be coming up soon? Uh, well, I guess we could... We could dabble. The, we do have one uh, that Joe Baylog wrote called Blueprint of a Champion. Okay, uh, that's a good story. I enjoyed that. Dude, I, really good story. FLWfishing.com uh, if you want to read it. Yeah, it's super cool. It's about uh, Justin Atkins um, and Jordan Lee. The fact that Jordan Lee won the Bassmaster Classic this year. Justin Atkins won the Forcewood Cup, obviously. And they've been buddies for a while, and it kind of talks about, like, how they each um, basically kind of got to where they are. A little backstory about them. You get to see an old picture of Atkins and Lee from some little local tournament they fished or something. Um, I don't know. It's just a cool – it's kind of a fun story, and it's cool to see that the two basically best anglers right now, um, you know, are buddies as well. let's settle on the – well, okay. The two the, guys who won the biggest tournaments. I, you take AOIs. I get it. I get it. The two, the two big champions. Come on, man! I gotta buddies. defend Brian Thrift. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm not trying to knock Thrift at all, or whoever's gonna win uh, the Bass AOI. I think it's Palinik or Christie, but I'm not like a hundred percent sure on that. So it could be who, neither of them. <laughs> who would you? No, you're definitely right. It's a two horse race. Who would you rather have win, Palinik or Christie? Uh, probably Polinick. Okay, so next week I will go sabotage Christie on Malax so that Polinick can win. 
I mean, it's look, it's not gonna hurt my feelings like either way. Don't go out of your don't go so out of your you way. You don't want to, me to sabotage anyone? I gotta sabotage someone. Um Maybe I'll just harass think. people. <laughs> let me think on it, okay? Maybe I'll just harass either way I'll probably be I'll probably go watch them on Friday, which will be their second day of competition. Are you going to do, like, a lot of just loop-the-loops and stuff around people who are fishing? Oh, man, I'm going to do donuts. I'm going to pull up next to Ayler and ask him if I can borrow some tackle uh, slash fish a spot. No, nah, I probably uh, won't do that, but I will, I will go watch some people. Well, I mean, I think all those would be good things. Uh, and if I think of anyone in particular who I want you to harass, I'll let you know. Please do. And um, if you're listening to this and you're going to be on Malax next week, you should send us an email, podcast at flwfishing.com. Let me know. Maybe we can get us a little flotilla going. I mean, I assume I'll just be watching Seth Fighter and First uh, on Friday. Uh, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm just saying there's a good chance. Uh, that's really the ultimate goal is just to cheer Seth on. That's really all I'm going to be doing. I really like that you uh, have like planned this out to such a micro level. <laughs> Like I'm impressed. <laughs> um, do you have uh, do you have like the tracking features and everything enabled so you can find all these dudes, or are you just going with your gut? I'm just gonna go with my gut. All I'm right. just gonna, I I'm like just it. gonna fill the boat up and let it rip. Sounds uh, sounds like a plan. I mean, I feel um, like I have a decent idea on where I'm gonna find some guys, but I don't know. It will be kind of cool to watch. We didn't get to watch it last year. There was an invitational, I think we were at. Uh, Norman, probably. In September, I think is where we were. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy watching fishing. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and watching fishing that involves big smallmouths. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, dude, sometimes they jump. Very oh, fun. It's got to be sweet. Um, yeah, no doubt. I'm very pro smallmouth. Uh Plus, I'm going to be really curious to see uh, how these dudes catch them because Malax has been she's been a little fin- ficky, finical. <laughs> so, is Kyle, the word are you like, right for fickle. a living? I'm a little tongue-tied right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would imagine uh, probably they'll catch them pretty good, right? Like, there's I think a lot so. of big ones there. There is. It's been a grind this year, though. Uh, I, I've talked to a lot of guys, and it's it's not like Malax four years ago. You know what I mean? They're definitely uh, well. Shoot, I was there two weeks ago at the ramp. There were two different trucks from Texas, and there was a truck from Kansas and a truck from Arkansas, just at the one ramp I was at. Whoa! They must really yeah. want to catch themselves some smallmouth. Dude, I mean, people are getting after it. I was thinking I should go somewhere and fish this weekend. Uh, you know, now that we're kind of just... Well, not Ooh, that we're just totally rambling, but, you know, I figure we may as well transition on over to just talking fishing. Um, yeah, that's fine. And, uh, I mean, so I fished this weekend, Kentucky Lake two days, Barkley one day. Barkley was pretty cool. The water was up down there a lot, actually. Like, the main Ooh. channel was running really muddy. Um, and I did decent not like crazy good but you know i was happy uh but kentucky lake i've been sucking it up big time and we got a super tournament there this weekend so really on the first day on saturday i probably shouldn't go fishing on kentucky lake because there's going to be a hundred something bfl guys and i don't really want to get in the way mm-hmm. um and then on the second day i mean it only it you know it'd be 20 or 40 guys or so it won't be too too bad but I don't uh I, I don't know where I would go fishing if I went fishing somewhere. I'm thinking That's about a maybe a really good question. I was thinking maybe I might go to Pickwick or something like that. Uh cuz that's only a couple hours away. I've really I've honestly literally never fished a day in my life on Pickwick. Oh yeah, this seems like uh, uh no better time than the present. That's what I'm possibly thinking. But I mean, anyhow, did you fish this weekend? Did you do anything fun? You had three days. Um, I did. I, I did. Uh, I made it out fishing a couple of days, not for too long. Um, on on either of the days, I caught a few fish. 
I was telling you earlier before we started, the problem with um, Labor Day weekend is it's super busy, and especially up in the north, it's kind of like the end of cabin season, right? Or I guess it's like the unofficial end of summer, but that's when a lot of people, it's like their last hurrah at the cabin. Yeah, they so, go up, they yeah, party on the lake, and then they out come out down on the last day. Yeah. So you get a lot of lakes that, even if they're not normally busy through the summer, are absolutely packed. Um, so I just kind of fish some, like, real small, tiny lakes that I'd fished before. You know, caught a few fish, nothing crazy. Didn't set the world on fire, but had some fun. Caught some fish on some rocks. Caught some fish frogging. Caught some fish skipping docks. Just kind of a little bit of a little bit of everything. I took a um, one of my buddies that he doesn't get a fish a whole lot either, so we just kind of went and messed around and had some fun. No, nothing too serious. I was actually this morning when I got in, our uh, membership dude Corey and I were talking about. Uh, how we can't wait for it to like really cool off and like get the small mouse chewing and really kind of get get that cold weather like when i can go fishing in uh maybe my flannel line pants and a sweatshirt and maybe a vest like then that's like that's what i'm liking you know like when you get that time of year when it's like you get start your day out and it's maybe in the upper 40s only gets to like maybe 60 something that's when i'm that's when i'm happy yeah i'm very much looking forward to cool weather but i have a ways to go because it's september in kentucky Uh, (laughs) um i did wear a sweatshirt three days in a row uh this weekend for about half an hour every morning Uh, honestly i didn't really didn't need it on sunday either or uh, maybe it was Monday. Maybe it was two mornings where I really didn't need it. But Saturday was a little bit nippy for a while. Blustery, too. I wore my bibs and a sweatshirt on my morning run, uh, which was uh, very, very nice. Uh, and I say morning run like driving somewhere in a boat, not like I'm going right. out exercising. Don't worry, people. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I assumed you meant uh, driving fast in a bass boat, not going jogging. Yeah, no, we, uh, we're not about that life. Although that would be something to be running in your rain bibs and a sweatshirt and flip-flops. I'd like to see you uh, going for a jog in that setup. Well, man, all you got to do is come to more takeoffs, and you'll see that. Because that is the... When I go That's to... True. When I when I put on... You know, when I put on GoPros in the morning, I move. And a lot of times, you You're know, it's cool enough. I got to uh, I got to put a sweatshirt on and sometimes it's wet. So I hear you. I hear you. It happens. I can <laughs> dude, I can book it in in the flops and bibs combo. Um, <laughs> do you have uh do you have any fun fishing plans for this weekend or is that pretty much uh pretty much maybe you fish, maybe you don't, that kind of thing? Uh yeah, probably I'd say probably maybe I do, maybe I don't. There's some uh our early goose season opened up this past weekend. I did not go out. Uh, tisk tisk. Yeah, they're just we. Uh, long story. We just couldn't <laughs> find a field. Uh, th- there weren't a lot of geese flying over any lakes we could run traffic on, kind of a thing. So, long story short, this weekend we'll probably be fish a little, but also. Uh, we got to do some work on my buddies and I have a couple of duck boats that we got to get kind of rigged up, patched up, put some lights on them, uh, grass up the blind. We'll probably do some of that. But I fully intend on on going fishing, oh, at least probably both days. If not for, maybe I'll just do a bunch of work on Saturday, fish for a little while in the morning, do some work, and then crush life on Sunday. And then... Um, back to your earlier topic of like things to talk about content wise next week i believe there's a chance that chris bergen and myself might be heading to uh we might go to my cabin we got to film a thing a product review on a lunker hunt their new prop series they have uh on the new zoom toad which i've been fishing for the last couple of weeks hey can you tell me how you've been rigging it well first off do you like it? Second, how you been rigging it? I do like it. And in case you're not I, familiar, it's like the Ala- guys. It's like the Elaztec kind of uh, 
it's yeah, a it's, like it's a, a top water toad, but it's super durable. Yeah. Um, apparently made at a at a factory that also makes dildos. Yes. So, which is like obviously the primary in, thing of interest about this bait. <laughs> so um, it, it can definitely uh, it can take a beating. Yeah, it, but it floats, which is cool. And uh, I've rigged it on. Currently, I have it rigged on a five aught extra wide gap. I've also rigged it on a six aught. I probably like the six aught better. Still floats it. Still the frog still floats, which is cool. Um, but that seems to be the best way is just on a big EWG, which I think is actually what Zoom recommends for it. Not a screw lock, just a straight up. Right. Now okay. I've done the screw lock. That was actually the first thing I put it's on. Probably it. hard to screw in, right? Pain in the butt. Serious pain in the butt. Uh, but it works. Uh, it's just it seems to go a lot better with an extra wide gap, which we will cover in the review. Um, I wonder, hopefully. you know, some of those hooks that they have like a little. Uh, it's not a screw lock. It's more like almost like a wire keeper, but flexible. Like, oh, yeah. but you know, like it just sticks in. I wonder if something like that might work, where you know you just Ooh. jam it on in the nose, and then you've got that movement on it. You know, like it can come off the hook or it can move around a little more without having the whole front be balled up on the, you know, having to move up past the eye and on the line and stuff like that. I, I wonder yeah, if that might work point. out like a, de- a decently because if you look at the the Ned Rig, if you t- think of it like a, a Laztec and you look at how the Ned Rig, the little Ned Rig heads are, where it's got that little wire keeper type deal. That mm-hmm. could be a similar kind of contraption, and I wonder if that might work work out. But I, I've really only just seen them and looked at them in the pack and like picked them up a little bit. I haven't thrown them around it or anything. Yeah, I definitely feel like the an EWG is the way to go. All Unweighted, right. just regular old. Now you could probably throw a weighted one. Uh, it won't float, but. Um, which would be fine. It's got a super cool sound. It sounds kind of whopper ploppery. It's got this right. really cool kind of loud gargly noise. It leaves a really sweet bubble trail. Um, I don't know. It's a pretty sweet frog. Holds up to a lot of fish. Uh, like per bait, you get. I think it's three in a pack, maybe four in a pack. Three. Yeah, but suppose. I mean, you can catch like almost infinity on. fish on it, right? I got some right here. Oh yeah, yeah. There's three of them in there. Yeah, like I on my one frog right now um they actually wore out faster when i used a screw lock on the head like because you kind of bore a hole after you you know if it pops out or whatever after fish on the extra wide gap i think i'm on probably a dozen fish still on the same frog it's pretty strong yeah yeah it really is i'm i'm pretty pumped about it yeah, it seems like a pretty cool... I like that we've gone from like talking about nothing to actually basically... Getting into <laughs> Yeah, actually doing some interesting stuff here. <laughs> Obviously, now you guys don't need to watch this video. We've covered yeah, that. Nope. <laughs> well, you can still... You can see it in action. You can see what I'm talking about with the, the legs kicking, and I'm sure we'll probably be able to catch a fish. I've been running a GoPro uh, when I've been fishing it, so we should have some B-roll of me catching random bass places yeah i would uh imagine so but yeah i think uh the the point is next week hopefully we will film a few videos on some product reviews and i'm thinking i kind of want to do one uh a video with josh douglas on using electronics to kind of break down where to find false smallmouths kind of a thing i feel like uh, a number one, you can never have too many smallmouth uh, articles or videos. Uh, B number two, we haven't really done a lot of false smallmouth content. And uh, C number three, when we do, I think the problem a lot of times is it's kind of it's it, you can present the information like as to here's where to find stuff, but I think sometimes it gets lost when you actually put it on in writing, you know what I mean? So I think to have a video where you have a little more emphasis on, like, this is the exact type of stuff you're looking for. Um, 
you know, you can actually see some cool side imaging shots. You can see some cool chart shots. You can see, you know, probably catch one or two. Uh, I think it'd be, I think it'd be kind of a cool video. And I think it's something that there isn't really a lot of at the moment. Which would also yeah, be I'm, kind of fun. I'm always down with smallmouth stuff. Uh, yeah. If you do want to read about fall smallmouth, though, and where to find them, Matt Steffen wrote a thing last year that's pretty good, because if you know Matt Steffen, you know usually like he writes pretty good stuff when he writes it. So sure. if you were to Google like Matt Steffen, comma, fall smallmouth, or search it on flwfishing.com, you'd probably find that story, I would say. I would say so. Um, we should actually probably, like do an updated version of that with him yeah perhaps uh stay tuned right <laughs> yeah, um, yeah t- all right that sounds like a plan to me uh i gotta write a couple of uh product reviews and i need to figure out a way to write them shorter because i want to write <laughs> them about like soft plastics and things like that and i just can't it's not that i don't want to write them longer i just there's only so much you can write about on a soft plastic that you've thrown like two ways and you're like, yep, it's pretty good. But it's not like a rod or a reel where you're doing a whole bunch of stuff with it. You know, it's like, well, yeah. So I figured out this way to use it like every other worm, but it's a good worm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I just don't know. I don't uh, I need to get my mind right to condense it down a little bit or something like that. Um, but I got to, uh, I, I gotta find that format. So if you have any ideas, let me know. Uh, All right. But hey, other did, you than that, build, did you build that rod? No. I got like a very slight start on it. In that, oh, okay. I took most of the stuff. I cleaned my table off, which was a project in itself, and took hmm. most of the stuff out of the package and sort of like got my bearings. Have yet to build it. So, in a holding pattern. Okay. That's about where I'm at. Like, I took the kit out of the box, have it set up on the table. The rod is still, uh, or the blank is still in the packaging it comes in, leaning in the corner next to the table. So, we're getting there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm basically, uh, I'm basically at the same stage. Um, Okay, good. But, I'm looking forward to actually doing that at some point in time. uh, Because that will be a cool thing to do and to sort of figure, you know, I built a rod before, but I need to do it again. And it's been a while, and so I'm looking forward to just, hey, can I do this again <laughs> type thing. Right, right. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, the Red Sox are playing terrible, but I'm fishing a lot, so all it's not too bad. Um, we got a bunch of derbies this weekend. We talked about it oh, last week. Dude, we do. We've got, uh, let's see, five uh, BFL Super Tournaments this weekend. Uh, so two dayers. Uh, there's gonna be some giants. We, is there? Is there an Oki one on Grand Lake? Uh, I believe that's. Mm, I asked well, because you um, you whipped up that little ditty that uh, will go on the website. Uh, yeah, but see, tomorrow. you got a good point there because I'm looking at this thing and for some reason I don't see Oki in any of my lists. But, like, I know there is one. Yeah. I see it on the... I got the FLW calendar uh, right in front of me. I see it on there. And then I see it under uh, the schedule tab under tournaments. Uh, we got an Oki on Grand Lake. So there's six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Boom. All right. Well, we got to make sure to edit that uh, dealio. I have which... the article open, and I am doing that right now. Okay, because I had that, I had opened it at exactly the same time as well. Uh, but yeah, because, gosh, I could have sworn I typed that. I even typed in Grove. I know I typed in Grove, and I immediately erased Grove, because Grove isn't a lake, it's a town. Right. Uh, great town for a derby, though. I do like me some Grove, Oklahoma for a fishing derby. You um, had, um, in the article, you had Northeast Division on Grand Lake. And I was well, like, well, that's wrong. That's, yeah, that's not ideal. Um, but anyhow, either way, we got a bunch of derbies going up. We got Ooh, do we? some uh, more coming up next week. Um, and then next week, I think we may have to, we may talk about Texoma. We may even do our picks ahead of time. 
Um, although cool. I don't, I don't go there. But so two weeks from now, we have the Coast FLW Series at Texoma, then at Clear Lake at the end of the month, which hogs. It's going to be awesome. I think I'm covering uh, that one. I believe you are. Well, I was trying to make Bergen do it, but I don't think he's doing it. That's good. That way I can have him do my work um, because I'm going to be fishing on Smith Lake that week. Oh, perfect. Uh, so, yeah, that's prime, actually. I mean, obviously, for his sake, I wish he was in California because that would be the place to be. But <laughs> that's just my that's just my opinion on the matter. <laughs> I hear uh, you. Maybe I should not fish that open and instead fish that Costa. Just temporarily quit my job. Just a, a brief hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Clear Lake, here I come. I'm going to go finish second to Gary Haraguchi. <laughs> um, Ooh, yeah. He's fishing that derby, by the way, even though he lives in Franklin, Tennessee now, in case you're wondering. Good for um, him. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyhow, I think that'll about do it for us this week. Uh, Kyle, you have anything else you want to uh, plug or mention or talk about the email before I talk about the social media stuff? Yeah, once again, podcastflwfishing.com. Give us your comments, thoughts. Tell me uh, where also, you're, you're going to be planning? on Lax. <laughs> yeah, where are you going to be on Lax? Um, you know, are you going to have any chilled beverages around? Uh, you know, because that might that might change whether or not I want to hang out with you or not. Like, do you have a cold beer for me or not? Because I'm not working, so I'm just there to yell at people. There you go. Um, you can follow FLW uh, at FLW Fishing on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, FLWFishing.com, YouTube. Snapchat is FLW Official. Um, Kyle, you're at Kyle Lumber on Instagram. I'm at Jody Blanco on Instagram. Um, I can't really think of anything else we've got, but uh, I think that's you know, it. thanks for listening, folks. Until next time, see you. <laughs>